Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the fourth Sunday after Pentecost. Our order of service will be the service of the word beginning on page 38 in the front of our hymnals. We're going to open right now with the hymn 346, In You Is Gladness. Your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. 
May God give you strength to live according to his will. Amen. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Exodus chapter 19, verses 2 to 8. This reading takes place right before the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And, well, as we look at this reading, we see the Lord through Moses just revealing to the people how it's grace that motivates us to want to really follow God's will, obey his law. After they, the Israelites, set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Alleluia. O Lord, may your priests be clothed with righteousness. May your saints sing for joy. Alleluia. chapter 10, verse 8. This is a section where Jesus is oh, observing how the people are like sheep without a shepherd, and 
So he calls the apostles and he still keeps on calling workers to serve in his kingdom. Matthew writes, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And let's sing our next hymn, hymn 112, There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. Yeah. 
sing your power to save. The grace and love of our Lord and Savior be with us always. Amen. The word of God we want to consider today is our epistle reading from Romans chapter 5 verses 6 to 11 where the Apostle Paul was inspired to write. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who are our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow sinners who have been reconciled to God, when many years ago there was a large religious gathering, a, a service that was held at the Golden Gate Exposition in San Francisco, it became quite obvious that the man, the minister who had been chosen to preach the lead sermon for that, for that service, that he wasn't really a Bible-believing Christian. And now he was a very gifted speaker, and his words just had to enthrall a lot of the people who were there. But yet, when you got right down to it, the fluent oratory that flowed from his lips, instead of proclaiming Christ crucified, it spoke very firmly against the blood of Christ against Jesus the Savior. Well, when his fluent oratory, his garbage mouth really, when, when that was finished, there was this timid elderly lady who stood up in the midst of the crowd and began to softly sing a great hymn, the one we just sang him up that was written by William Cowper and she started singing that hymn as a rebuttal to what that non-Christian minister had been saying and when she started singing there was a hush that fell over the entire crowd and they were able to hear her faint voice singing the familiar words of the hymn that, I, that we just sang, but she was using the words that are actually in our old hymnal. 
There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains. Well, by the time she was beginning the second verse of that hymn, hundred other Christians stood up and joined in. And by the time the third verse was being sung, well then there were more than a thousand people who stood up and were joining him. And the, the triumphant, the thrilling strains rang out loud and clear. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more, be saved to sin no more. Many people that day were moved, well, by the timid elderly lady's boldness to be able to stand up like that and sing that song and say to that minister, you may not care about the blood of Christ, but I sure do, and it's what my whole faith and hope is based on. And that's what she was saying with her song. That's what well, so many more there that day were saying and singing as well. The tragic thing is that many in the modern religious world today they deny the power of the blood of Christ as that liberal minister did. And, well, tragically, they still profess to be Christians when obviously they are not. Obviously they are not. But today, as the Apostle Paul encourages us, he, clean, he encourages us, he reminds us that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through that shed blood of Christ, that's how we have peace with God. That's the only way that we have peace with God. That's the only way. We have this peace only because Christ died for our sins. And therefore, Christ's death and life assures us of our salvation. And Christ's life and death it also motivates us to rejoice. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at Paul's letter to the Romans as our epistle readings for our services. In Romans chapter 3, what Paul was doing is he was talking there about the, the universal sinfulness of mankind and how on our own, apart from God, what we deserve is God's wrath and punishment. And furthermore, he's saying, since that's the case, we can't save ourselves. We can't do anything to change our situation. Salvation must be accomplished in another way apart from our works, if it's going to happen. By God's grace, though, we're so thankful that we know that our salvation was accomplished by the shed blood of Christ, by the promised Messiah, by Jesus, our Savior. We're saved through faith in what Christ did. 
not by our false attempts at trying to keep God's law, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Paul said, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. With three words in that passage, we, powerless, ungodly. With those three words, what Paul is doing is preaching some some very, very strong law, powerful law. And now as he preaches God's law, he preaches God's law not only to his listeners and to us, but to himself. He includes himself in that group, we, powerless, ungodly. Those are words that describe us on our own apart from God. And we could say that those words are some ugly words for us to have to hear, that we're powerless, ungodly sinners on our own. They're words that especially strike us because, well, we know who we are. We know that we've sinned, that we've fallen short of the glory of God. We know the sin that's in our hearts. King David, he prayed, O Lord, remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. Oh, maybe we can think back, rowdy high school days, rowdy college days, without thinking too hard or about the consequences. Think of the things that maybe we did, probably we did as we were growing up. We rebelled sometimes for the sake of rebellion and just trying to be ourselves is the way we sometimes work. Well, again, without thinking too hard about the consequences, we did things. And whatever stage of life we're in, what we need to recognize, of course, is that there are those temptations that we fall to again and again and again. There are those temptations to envy, covet, lust, to, to blame others, or for that matter, to blame ourselves or to despair of God's grace and love and hope, you know, to despair of that. All these sins lead us, can lead us away from our God who supplies all our needs and wants to take care of us. And the fact of the matter is, is that, the, that Satan He'd like nothing better than for us to remain the powerless, ungodly sinners that we were by nature or to return back to that status of being those powerless, ungodly sinners who deserve nothing but God's wrath and punishment. He'd love that. That's not what God wants, of course. Well, Paul says... Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, a mother might risk her life for her child. Parents may give a a kidney or a portion of their liver to a child that might need it. That's risking your life. 
That's risking your life because of a love for a loved one. Oh, maybe think of another example. Secret Service agents, they're trained to protect the president and, and as such, if they'd have to, they'd take a bullet for the president. And, well, they, they're taught that risking their lives, that's a matter of duty for someone who's serving in an important office. However, when you think about Jesus, he didn't risk his life, he gave his life. He gave his life as a matter of duty and especially love, not for lovely people, for people who deserved his love, but for powerless, ungodly sinners, for people who would, by nature, be lost forever without him. He did it to show us his love to us sinners so that we could be at peace with God. Well, Paul says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Here the point that Paul is making is that if God didn't exercise his wrath toward us when we were those powerless, ungodly sinners, will he now reject or condemn us on whom he has lavished his grace and mercy and love and on people on, on whom he has committed so much, given so much? That's not going to be the case, is it? Now, if you just think about it, what's our feeling when someone who was once angry with us says that he's no longer angry? Do we immediately trust that person to no longer be angry, angry toward us? And what if the hostility toward us was something that was deep and long-standing? Well, we want to believe his words, yet in our hearts we are going to have that nagging doubt. And now, use that comparison because if you think about it, we're people who were God's enemies. We made him angry with us because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God. As people who did deserve God's wrath and punishment, and who now live in a world that keeps on disappointing God, and, well, we still sin, we still rebel, we still wander away from God, it really is quite natural for us to have nagging thoughts about, is God going to come after us? Is God going to decide to punish us after all? But Paul, what he does here is he wants to convince us, assure us that, that if God didn't send us to hell when we were without Christ, when we were those un powerless, ungodly sinners, well then surely he's not going to punish us now or on the last day since he's declared to be in us to be innocent through the blood of Christ. Paul says, For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, 
shall we be saved through his life. Enemies, that's what he says. Enemies. Paul again uses a strong word to, con to describe our relationship to God by nature. We were his enemies because of our sins. We stood in opposition to him and to everything that he stands for. This too is not too palatable to our to the natural man. We don't like to hear this because, well, see, by nature, we like to think that generally we would be on friendly terms with our God, not on the in this enemy status with God. But that is how God sees us by nature, as his enemies. That's not what he wants. But that's what we are, and that's our attitude toward God by nature. And he makes us aware that that's the case through his law. We were his enemies. But now, but now we've been reconciled to God. And by God's grace, that means that our whole status is altered and how thankful we have to be for that fact that our status with God is totally altered. Now God doesn't look at us and see us as his enemies, and, and he doesn't just see us as, well, even friends. What he does is he looks at us and sees us as his dearly loved children, dearly loved children through faith in Christ. And because of what Christ did, his shed blood for us. But now if you think about it, yeah, it's Jesus' death that takes care of the problem of our sins. But if his work ended with his death, we'd have reason to be in doubt of God's really caring for us. Would the Father, for example, hold it against us that well, what did my sins do? My sins made it necessary for Jesus to die. For God's dearly loved son to die on the cross. My sins made it necessary for God to forsake and abandon his son while he was there on the cross. What we put Jesus through, what we put the Father through, Maybe we'd say, can God really love me when that is what I did? Well, we do also have Christ's life. He rose from the dead. And the fact that he rose from the dead, that proves that all of our sins have been paid for, that, that Christ is victorious, that he's ruling over all things for the good of God's people, and his rising assures us that we're also going to live forever his life and death and his living again assures us of our eternal salvation paul said not only is this so but we also rejoice in god through our lord jesus christ through whom we have now received reconciliation 
that word rejoice is an interesting one because the Greek word here really means to boast. And this isn't an activity that is done quietly or when a person is unsure about things. The word the words that are used here just emphasize the confidence that we can have. We are to be sure of our salvation. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no longer any reason for any doubt or nagging thoughts within our minds wondering if that's really true because our salvation has been completely accomplished by God himself. We boast, we rejoice, not about ourselves, but about our God and everything that he in his grace and mercy has accomplished for us. God gets all the praise and all the glory. Christ's death and the fact that he now lives victorious from the dead, that motivates us to rejoice now and, and forever in heaven. Well, there was a Hindu trader in India who once asked a missionary, what do you put on your face to make it shine? With surprise, the pastor answered, I don't put anything on it. His questioner began to lose patience with him and, and emphasized, said, Yes, you do. All of you who believe in Jesus seem to have it. And suddenly the Christian, the pastor, he understood, and his face glowed even more brightly as he answered, Now I know what you mean, and I will tell you the secret it's not something we put on from the outside, but something that comes from within. It's the reflection of the light of God in our hearts. What Christ has done for us makes us formerly ungodly, powerless sinners. It makes us rejoice because of what we have in Jesus, our Savior. And old Model T, Ford was pulled to the side of the road and, and had its hood up, and now this was many years ago. And there was a young man who was looking under the hood and trying to figure out what could possibly be wrong with this car because it just wouldn't work. And, and as he was getting just totally frustrated and wondering what was going to happen, there was a, a beautiful chauffeur-driven limousine that, that stopped right behind him. And then there was a well-dressed man who got out and he observed what the young man was trying to do or looking at underneath the hood. And finally what he did is he suggested that the young man make this minor adjustment with some settings on the engine. The young man looked a bit skeptical at this, but, but nothing else had worked, so he figured, well, I'll, I'll try it. 
And when he tried it, then the, uh, the well-dressed man said to him, now your car will run, crank it up. And I said the young man was skeptical, but he did crank it up and it started and it was running as if it was brand new again. The young man was amazed that this man knew so much about cars and so he asked him, how do you know exact, how did you know exactly what to do? His answer, I'm Henry Ford, I made the car, so I know all about how it works. God made us so he knows just exactly how we work as well. He knows everything about us. He knows that we were powerless, ungodly sinners, and he knew that what we would deserve is his wrath and punishment, but he also, kind of like Henry Ford with a car, he also knows just exactly what he had to do to remedy our sinful situation, and he did it. He did it in Jesus our Savior. He freed us from the sins that meant that we rightfully deserved eternal punishment because of them. He freed us from those sins. He made us heirs of heaven. And we can look forward to the eternal joys of heaven because God took care of things. It's all because of God. How thankful we have to be, how we want to thank God that now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All because of God. Because of the blood of Christ. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. O God, protector of all the faithful, you alone make strong, you alone make holy. Show us your mercy and forgive our sins day by day. Guide us through our earthly lives so that we do not lose the things you have prepared for us in heaven. We pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord God, in our prayers, we continue to keep all of those 
who are faced with different trials and troubles in this life. And we always keep on saying, Lord God, if it's according to your will, grant healing, grant recovery. But always please keep giving to all of us your help and your strength and your grace and your mercy and your love so that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest blessing of all. Keep on giving us those spiritual blessings and the strength that we have in Jesus. And we gather up all of their prayers as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Thank you for joining me for worship today. Just a few announcements to share with you. Oh, today happens to be my birthday, my 65th birthday. Welcome to Social Security, I guess. Tuesday is Gary and Jeannie Kunkel's anniversary. Wednesday, Nancy McCullough's birthday. And Friday, Joseph Weaker's birthday. Schedule for the week is in the bulletin. As far as our members are concerned, basically, you know the people that we've been praying for with their different trials and troubles. Please look at the prayer list and, and keep those people in your prayers. Lord's blessings be with you in the coming week as we get ready to, to celebrate the freedom that we have in our country. And as we think of that freedom, we of course think of the freedom and the peace that we have in Jesus our Savior. The Lord bless and keep you always.